0: Gear up as Cash Miller and his team of accomplished guests steer you on an enlightening voyage filled with valuable tips, fresh insights, and effective strategies. Welcome to Marketing Masters, the agency power show.
1: Hello, everyone. My name is Cash Miller. I am the host of Marketing Masters, the CEO of Titan Digital. Today, we're going to be talking about how you actually go about auditing your marketing, because, you know, when you're running campaigns, you end up with a lot of different things moving along. And that can be like with all the different parts, keeping track, making sure they're effective, they're working together. You know, sometimes you get stuff that's ends up broken. You know, it's not really working for you, but you don't necessarily, you know, check it out when you need to. So we're going to tell you how, you know, how do you go about auditing? I've got with me, Susan, she's with force of nature. Um, they, focus on auditing. Susan, it's great to have you here. Uh, tell us a bit about what you do and mention also the name of that business because it's like, you know, tell people why that name because it's a great story. Awesome.
0: So I'm Susan Coleus Keplinger. I am a 20 year plus now. I'm getting old, MarTech veteran. <laughs> um, and um, so I started Force of Nature kind of as a as a consulting practice while I was having kids. And what I kept finding is, is that when I'd go into some of the companies, I would just find a lot of things that were broken or total, in complete disarray. And it became pretty clear pretty early that I was at my best when I found these proverbial dumpster fires, when things mm. were an absolute disaster. And we would come in like a force of nature, fix them. And miraculously, within three months or six months, everything would be working again. Mm. And they'd be like, you must be a wizard. Uh, and of course, I'm not a wizard. I just figured out very early in my career that it's really fundamental that your marketing operations and how you deploy your, your dollars in, in efficiently and in your media efficiency is, is on point and is done correctly. And if that breaks, and it can break in so many different ways that we'll certainly talk about today. But if it breaks, it suddenly is like, why, why is my organic traffic going down? Why is my ROAS against my paid media suddenly like a fraction of what it used to be? Why are people no longer engaging with my emails? And there's so many reasons that you can unpack behind that why. But we've really found that when a MarTech stack breaks or when your marketing efforts suddenly aren't working anymore, typically you can fix them. And so we try to help you identify what's broken and then help you figure out what you need to do in order to fix them.
1: Great. So, you know, with a lot of campaigns, I said, there are things that will end up broken along the way. I mean, especially like the longer things run, you know, because we tend to take for granted. Like if you, you know, at some point you put together a campaign, it's really successful, it's done a great job and you stop paying attention to it a little bit, you know, because if it's if it's delivering, you know, it's sort of like if it works, don't mess with it. but But it can stop working. And you don't realize it. And then suddenly, when you take a look, it's like we used to get this many and you know this because, you know, you got so many leads through it It might be, you know, we used to get tons of leads through Facebook and suddenly they're not working or, you know, Google ads, whatever it might be, you know, so you end up having to, you know, work with companies to be able to take them through that. So what are some of the initial steps, you know, if you're working with someone that they have to go through to be able to figure out what's broken?
0: So, I think one of the things that I want to really stress as we talk about what's broken is there's so many reasons why things break. First of all, we always talk about technical debt, right? You always hear this like, oh, I had a different web dev shop and then I switched web dev shops and mm-hmm. I need to fix that. So, you hear this technical debt. Well, in the same way that you have technical debt, you also have MarTech debt and marketing debt. And what that means is that you have different partners or different employees or different agencies or whoever who have implemented all sorts of different things that these systems, these machines, these algorithms need to work correctly. And so if that piping, if that underlying piping gets kinked or gets broken, then things just aren't going to work the way that they used to work anymore. And Mm -hmm. the challenge is, is that there's, once you start to build and grow a sophisticated MarTech stack, particularly if you're with a business that's spending, tens or hundreds or millions of dollars a month on your marketing, it's so important that you're feeding the right data into these algorithms. We all know that the big changes around iOS 14.5 a couple of years ago that like things got a lot harder. Mm-hmm. They used to work better. And so now it's more important than ever that we're giving these platforms and ecosystems signal and data that something so that they can operate and so they can work. And so the piping that underlies any marketing, no matter what size you are, how you pass your audiences, making sure your pixels are placed in the right place, making sure that you have consistent consistency and continuity. Mm -hmm. All of that is just so important and so fundamental. And so when you start to see something break, there's a lot of things that could happen. It could have just been human error, which means that it could be remedied very quickly. But what did they break? How do you figure out where that human error might have happened? And so often. It's, that's the that's sort of the troubleshooting. So I think from a starting place, everybody is going to have Martech debt. We have never done an audit where we haven't found some connection that's broken or some value that's mm. no longer being passed correctly. We just We've never done one that's perfect. I will be excited to do that audit, although they probably won't come to get audited <laughs> because they won't have that one question mark in their head. So I think if you have this uncertainty in your head, if you're like, I just don't know what's going on, I just don't know if we're doing it right, I just don't know. Like, maybe we are. Maybe we're not. Like, I don't yeah. know. That's the place to start to say, let's give you that confidence. Let's give you that certainty so that you know, okay, my marketing machine is firing as efficiently as it can. And so mm-hmm. once we've started and once we've said, okay, I want that confidence, right? Great. Anybody who needs that confidence in their marketing or their marketing organization, we are a great partner for you to have. And so what we do is is we start by doing a very deliberate checklist-based approach. We go through it just like a doctor before they're going to operate on your appendix is going to make sure that they've got all of their ducks in a line. We go down our checklist and we check and we just say like, is there anything from a media operations perspective that's broken? Sometimes when we connect those audits, we find our proverbial dumpster fire where there is just so much stuff that's broken. You're like, how are, you must have really good product market fit that this is working at all because (laughs) man like the data is firing that direction and the audiences are like dated and your conversion pixels are broken and you don't have any clear continuity between your audience types but often and more often we'll find you know improvements that we can make on the campaigns that will incrementally improve the performance and just make everything work a little bit better. And so helping your team identify that roadmap of what that looks like, that's the first step is to really think about your media operations. And as I like to say, make sure you're doing it right. Mm-hmm. And make sure you're doing it right against all the nitty gritty little details that take you know hours to go and look at. That your team probably could go and find and figure out, but they're super busy doing other things. And so it's that first step is really thinking about what I call media ops and just making sure that you're doing it right and that you're operating according to best practices.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, cuz I know, you know, we work with a lot of different kind of clients and stuff and and there's occasions where we might be the development partner, you know, where we built the website, you know, a new one, right? But depending on those sites, and you could have a media partner that has, you know, they're handling different types of ads, you know, some a different agency, you know, and A lot of the times uh, the company that may have hired both of us, you know, they don't necessarily communicate that we should be working with them. I've seen this, you know, in different cases where, you know, well, we may do the things on our end, client loves the site, whatever it might be. You know, when we go to launch that, there are certain things that were in the existing site that we were unaware of. You know, because they might have been running certain campaigns, you know, you're going to have different tracking codes. We don't necessarily know which platforms they're tracking on. So we're not told of what to look for. So then we go and launch and it's that alone is going to shake up everything because, you know, like you said, different algorithms and the things we feed into them. You know, if you whenever you launch a site. As an example, it's Google has to reread everything. You've just changed all the content. Suddenly, if your traffic was to drop, you know, it was because nobody was really paying attention. You know, we weren't necessarily given the mandate to say, hey, these really matter. Yeah. You know, so do not mess with these blog posts. Do not change the content. And and we probably wouldn't because they're blogs. But if you change the internal content for service pages, homepage, all of that's going to shake things up and it's going to really affect how the site performs. It could improve it. A lot of times it does, you know, but in some cases. You know, you end up with panic on the client's part because they, you know, they might see an initial drop, and then suddenly the the ads that were working because there's some landing page in the background. So you've got this ad that is directed to a landing page that you didn't know existed because you weren't, you know, it wasn't part of the site nav. It was just in the background. You know, there's so many things that can essentially go wrong in an advertise, you know, in a campaign like that between the tracking, let's say, landing pages. Yeah, you know, and it could be as simple as we were hired to build a new website, we weren't told really about these other people and they weren't told that we were, you know, hired, you know, brought in as well, you know, so communication can suddenly, you know, or lack thereof could break things left and right.
0: Well, and hopefully, hopefully the deterioration actually happens really fast because if it happens really fast, you can be like, well, we missed something, Mm -hmm. reverse, fix it. But so often what we see is the deterioration happens over a longer period of time. Mm. So, for example, changing pixels or not collecting data or not pushing data correctly, it's not going to deteriorate immediately because the algorithms still have the data that they had weeks ago and they can operate off that data for some period of time. But instead, it'll deteriorate over a period of, you know, one or three or six months. And so six or nine months later, you're like, what happened? And that's that moment of befuddlement. You're like, the new site seems to be performing really well, but my organic traffic has gone down Mm -hmm. or this campaign that was working really well isn't working so it's interesting the way we got into this audit game is you know every agency offers you an audit right they're like i'll do you an audit i'm going to win your business right i'm going to show you all the things are wrong i'm going to tell you how to fix it Mm -hmm. and we offered those audits too right but what happened was we had a client come and they said i have a problem and it's a client um, john Levisy, he was a ceo at, at blueprint uh, which is a used bike marketplace. Okay. And I'd worked with John before and and, he, and when he was at, um, at at Craftsy and at uh, Blueprint. And he said, um, he said, I have a problem, I think. I think my team is good. I think my agency is good, but I have a problem. And I need you to run that audit. But hmm. uh, I don't think I need an agency. And I really want to make sure that it's not biased. I don't want you to bias this in any way to like win my business. Yeah. Like, I don't think my business is available to win. What will that cost me? So John and I negotiated out a price. And it was such a cool approach to not be focusing on anything (laughs) besides the problem. Yeah. Right. To only be saying like, okay, if we were in John's shoes, what would we do and how would we fix it? Mm. And what we found was is that they had made a media mix adjustment where they had significantly allocated more dollars into Facebook away from Google. And that actually their internal media operations were on point. And everything was really good. And his problem was simply a media mix problem hmm. and not a um, an operations problem. And so it was a cool approach to really be able to go in from a really agnostic perspective and not yeah. try to find a problem where maybe there wasn't a problem. Because in this case, their scores were all really clean. They had, we found some stuff. We figured out they could pass some values differently. Like, you know, we improved the way that the that their feed worked. We found a audience. But like, it was little stuff that anyone on yeah. the team could fix. But we helped identify the bigger problem, which then the team easily was able to be like, whoa, that's the bigger problem. Great. Let's just fix that. And so thus an audit business was born That hmm. is, you know, the goal of being sort of agnostic and non biased around helping you find those problems and then helping you find the best way to fix those problems. Be that with hmm. your current team, or saying your current team isn't working so well. Maybe what's what are we going to do about it?
1: That's uh, that's really an interesting um, approach because you know typically, yeah, when an audit is conducted by any kind of an agency, you're auditing someone else's performance, and it is with the intent that you know you're thinking you could win that business, you could take it from that other agency, and all you got to do is go find the problems, and then basically you're trying to explain how you you know I came up with all the solutions you should you know, be working with us, you know, not them. And so you're able to go from that approach of, well, we're we're not worried about winning. We were hired specifically just to figure out what's wrong and either we'll fix it or they can fix it, but it just has to get fixed. Yeah. And so you take that deep dive and yeah, you're not, you know, you're not biased towards it. You're hired for a specific, you know, job. And then when the job is done, you're done, you know, but yeah, you know, unless they need you again, you know, in the future. But that, I, I, that's a really, uh, I like that approach because like I say most agencies, you know, everybody's going to be biased otherwise because of that, you know, we can win the long-term deal.
0: Yeah. And, you know, we're really, so we, ha- and we have a small services team that's actually like so maxed out. I'm not allowed to even like talk about that service team <laughs> to help people fix things when we find them. But we, if, if, and when that team gets involved, we want to help companies make transformational change. We want to help companies figure out how to really unlock that next level of growth or figure out that that's going to be really difficult to do in the media environment that exists for them. And therefore, they need to think about other approaches that maybe don't involve media. Mm -hmm. But we want to think about how can we help companies be transformational. And so often we we work with companies. uh, We worked with a company called Caddis Life that's an eyewear company. Great company. Incredible team like very, very good at what they do. But they had a problem that we were able to identify during this. We call them analyses because we really mm-hmm. don't want audit. In other words, audit's kind of scary. So we try to like... <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah right. It's definitely the scary for the team. <laughs> always,
0: it always scares the director, who then become our best friends because they're like, whoa, these, this company is going to like help me just create a checklist of things to fix. It's easy. Mm-hmm. But um, but we we, we worked with Erin Acadis, And what we found was um, that she had a problem where it looked like their ROAS was getting better and better and better over time. But when we actually dug into the data, and we take a very quantitative approach, we really think about a combination of media operations and media efficiency. So media efficiency is really saying like, what does the data say? How do we Mm -hmm. most efficiently and effectively deploy your dollars? What we found for Erin is that she had a a problem where her her returning customers were so loyal to the brand, they were driving up the ROAS on a blended basis in a beautiful way because they were so loyal. But the cost of new customer acquisition and the ROAS against new customers was declining and it was declining very precipitously. Uh, And so once we identified that core problem, we could say, why? Why is it harder for us to acquire new customers? What changed over the course of the last 12 months that is causing this precipitous decline? And we were actually able to identify some specific changes they made in strategy from a creative perspective. Where they essentially became a little bit more informational, a little bit less commercial. And we kind of helped reorient that approach that they used, hmm. um, really helping them lean into things like whitelisting influencers and doing some like whitelisting influencer ads and whatnot that then brought it back up. And they're like, Great, now we're affordably acquiring new customers again. This is awesome. Hmm. And so I think it's it's identifying sometimes you don't even know what the problem is. You're yeah. like, I think I have a problem, like I just don't know. Like this just doesn't feel right. And so you and, and that's kind of this goal of this deep dive is for us to, you know, again, look at your media ops, make sure that you're doing it right. And then the second piece is the media efficiency component of it. And that's making sure that you're maximizing the dollars that you're deploying. Um, and it's so interesting when you pull that data out and you organize it, you clean it and you organize it and you structure it and you start asking questions against it. The insights that you're able to find and the things that you're able to really figure out for companies. And it's just, it just creates so much value. It's such a cool approach. Um, and then just lay out a roadmap and be like, here's how we'd fix it. Like, just go through the checklist and hand it to your agency, hand it to your team. Um, just do these things and and then you'll be in a better place.
1: That's a, It's an interesting example you give because of the fact that doing the analysis, you were able to find that the actual issue, it wasn't pixels and it wasn't, you know, like it was telling you that the creative, because the messaging had changed and that had been so significant. Yeah. And the thing is, is you had to go through and basically, I guess, um, you know, separate the two, you had the existing client base, you know, that would come back and they were, you know, repeat buyers. They really love the product, but they were getting mixed in with the you know, new customer acquisition. And so first you split it to see, okay, now we do have a problem. We can see that one cost is like, you know, getting driven up and we're not, you know, they're getting more expensive to acquire. And so then you can dive in and see, you know, from there, why are they getting that way? Yeah. And then understand that it was actually, you know, to go through and and then find that, well, at this point, the messaging changed. So you would dive back into the data, see where that the trend really changed, you know, so you can identify that period of time that did it. And then once you've identified that, then you've got to go back through really the campaigns and such and see, yep. OK, where did you know, where did the ad you know, ads change? Where did the messaging change? You know, we- what period of time?
0: I'm going to give you even a more stark example than this. So we did an external audit. So we actually can look and we're, we're working on productizing this so it's available for everyone because it's so cool. I'm so mm. excited about it. We did an external audit for a company um, that is just becoming a client. So I'm going to leave them. I'm not going to case study them out quite yet. They're in the staffing space. Hmm. They're a competitor of Clockify. Um, and we their organic traffic literally just plummeted about 12 months ago. Yeah. Yeah like huge plummet and it might've been actually a little bit more than 12 months. I think it was more during like the middle end of COVID. And, and what we, what we found just looking at external indicators was they had changed their SEO strategy from the same kind of thing. They had changed their SEO strategy from being commercial. Buy, buy, buy. Here's our service. Here's our product. Do this thing to informational. Here's how you track your time. Here's how you feel good about working remote. Here's how you create Pomodoro technique and windows. And it just didn't work. And so yeah. we actually just started workers company and we asked the CEO, like, okay, well, what happened? Like, why did you do that? And he goes, We hired the wrong person. Hmm. And so it took it took that much time for them to see the effects of a strategy that this new hire brought in that didn't work. Yeah. Right. For them to just to be like, that was not on purpose. We just did it wrong. And so I think that's another example of like, you hire someone, they come in with some big strategy, all of a sudden, you're like, why isn't my business working? Why isn't my marketing working? And it literally could be just the wrong strategy. And even I think and that's where the data comes in, and it becomes so important. Because, you know, even if you're getting more impressions, even if you're getting more, whatever, if you're not getting more conversions, if you're not getting more revenue, then it like, does it like, what are you doing? Right. Like doesn't right. really matter. Sure. And so it's, it's that it's just, there's just so many pieces that I, I think often personality change is one of the things that causes those big hiccups.
1: Yeah. That's a, that, that's really an interesting story too, because you know, you change the person and they're thinking with that individual person is how do I increase the traffic? And with their strategy may have actually done that. Yeah. It, like say increase the traffic in, increase the, uh, the, you know, based on the content, but because they changed the type of content that they were, you know, writing about and going after and the keywords that they were targeting is, um, you know, so they're uh, the type of traffic changed because the content changed and the traffic that they were bringing in, even if you increased it, they weren't buyers. They were the wrong type of people to be bringing to the site, you know, potentially. So the strategy, that's why I was working originally and they should have been figuring out how do I increase this, you know, type you know, because we know we have a winning strategy. Yeah, we know that this works. We know we get buyers off of this and we get signups, you know, but so how do we increase this? How do we bring in more people this way? Instead, they stopped putting out things that were, you know, had worked, switched to a different one. And it worked for the traffic part, you know, part probably, but it, but it didn't work for the buyer part because they changed the type of audience that they were, you know, going after. And those people weren't buyers. Yeah. And it broke. yeah. In which case, you know, you've got to but to dig through that, you have to go through the again, that's that's where you those audits end up a really deep dive because you've got to dig into them. You know, and see, okay, where it changed, because it's it's, so it's partly going through the numbers, you know, and then it's partly, you know, talking to the people and saying, what what was different? What did you do? Because we've identified the time period where things seem to change, because that would be one of what's wild.
0: We don't typically even need to talk to the people. We can see it all. So we get internal access to their ad stacks and we do the two things, right? We do the media operations component where we look at like, are Mm -hmm. you doing it right? That's a checklist-based audit. Are your pixels placed right? Do you have consistent conversion? Do you have naming conventions that have continuity? Is your prospecting and retargeting separate? You'd be stunned, stunned the number of companies and agencies. Big Mm -hmm. agencies cheat on this all the time that blend brand keywords into prospecting campaigns mm. to make the prospecting campaigns look like they're performing better. <laughs> like we just had we just have a, no. we have a client we're working with right now to un- unwind all of this that they were doing about 70% retargeting and yeah. about 30% prospecting and really you want to have at least the inverse of that. You want yeah. to have at least 70-80% prospecting and it was just they they blended it and made it so mushy that you couldn't tell what was what. But regardless. So so let's assume you're doing your media operations really well, right? The second place is to really have really tight media efficiency and sort of your analytics. Mm -hmm. And some companies have this, in which case, like, if you've got that confidence, then you're great. But a lot of companies really struggle with this data part. Big data. I mean, I always say, listen, most people who majored in who majored in marketing, right, (laughs) studied marketing in school, studied marketing in school because, like, they don't like math.
1: Yeah, right like
0: you went you're like i'm gonna be a marketing and communications major because i don't want to be a stem major
1: yeah that's that's on point
0: (laughs) and today marketing is math right and so the Mm -hmm. second piece is this data component which is once your data is organized so once you pull all the data out of your your various systems and you know there's a lot of cleaning that typically has to take place to get good data right Mm -hmm. often we have to like restructure the way people name their ads we have to make sure that things are organized this whole branding, retargeting versus prospecting. You have to make sure it's structured right. right. But once it's all organized, you can really start to ask questions. What channel is the most efficient and effective? What is it costing me to acquire a new customer? How much am I making on a particular type of customer or cohort of customers? And that's really when you can start to have a lot of fun with your marketing because you can start to understand where you want to invest or maybe where you shouldn't invest. And mm-hmm. sometimes paid media is a Not a good investment for companies. You do that analysis and you're like, listen, paid media right now in the status quo as you're running it today is not making you money. But SEO is making you a tremendous amount. You're getting an incredible organic footprint. And I think of organic and content as the same investment line item as I do paid, right? Like there's a cost associated with either activity. And so it's about identifying where that investment in both time and money should be and then, then you can start to dig in and say, okay, I think I know what's best for the business. And it's, you know, there's so many incredible tools out there that help you think about things like capacity. So how much room for growth is there against Google and Facebook and mm-hmm. TikTok and, you know, all these places, um, as well as this efficiency. So you can have that conversation and then you can step back and say, okay, do I currently have the right team in place to deploy this strategy? Do I have the right agency partners? You know, what do I need? And you can really start to think, in a different way about the investment that you're putting into your business versus just like throwing money at different places and being like, I think it's working because my business is growing. So that's cool.
1: Right. Yeah. Often like, there's so much that you end up learning and you know that's the point of doing an audit because like you mentioned, you can be putting in, you know, for certain platforms and it could be an SEO versus a paid thing, but it could be different paid platforms that some of them work and some are not. But you know, if you're not going through the platform and, and it could be pieces of that platform. So by, you know, depending on the type of ads you're running. So you might have things that are running great on Google, but then you're trying to run things on Facebook or TikTok and it could even have some things that are working but then other pieces. And if you're kind of like looking at the bigger you're like the the whole picture on a platform and you're not diving into the individual ads enough, you know, especially as you spend more money on a campaign, you, know, you you've got a lot of things that you can have pieces that are broken or ineffective, but you keep running them because you're, you know, looking at the total data and you're not looking at the different segments, you know, so you can end up with a lot of problems there, you know, so you can identify opportunities, but you also identify a lot of waste because there's a lot of that's, you know, paid ads have tons of waste that go on yeah. So Uh, they
0: have to, in order to get them to work, you got to try lots of stuff.
1: Yeah, basically. And then, you know, and so every platform is going to be a bit different. The point of doing an audit is so that you can, you know, narrow down what works and what doesn't. And also what's really, I say, broken, not tracking, because there's so many things like say you get enough stuff going and you get bigger budgets then what you're going to have is, you know, way more opportunity for things to kind of go wrong.
0: Yeah. And time. Right. So if your business has been around for a while. That's when stuff's gonna start to break. Yeah. Because the other reality is is it's it's not just people that are the problem, it's the platforms that are the problem. So they make changes too, right? The Googles and Facebooks and they Actually, make changes. And if if you keep up with those changes, then it won't work so well anymore.
1: Yeah, that's actually a really good point, too, because the platforms keep changing. You know, um, Facebook always loves to change the platform, you know, the dashboard and the way things work. And of course, with changes over the last few years for, you know, targeting demographics, you know, things that worked at one time suddenly don't because they took away some of the things that you might have been able to do, Um, you know, from a targeting standpoint. You know, AI coming out is changing how, you know, Google and Bing uh, throw up their search results, you know, because now, you know, we have to see how. AI is going to impact. I mean, it's, I'm seeing it in my Google search results, you know, and where they're placing the stuff, you know, so suddenly you could see where, you know, cause I, what I worry about is the organic traffic, depending on what kind of business you have. Yeah. You, know, you can end up having your, a decline. We're going to see whether that happens or not for a lot of businesses, but if you see a, a huge fall off suddenly, it could be something like that, that it's not even any fault of your own but it's going to force you to change the strategy anyway.
0: I think we're all in for a lot of work in the next decade because I don't know I there's going to I don't I can't I can't see in the crystal ball clearly yet the implications of the broader AI changes to so many of the businesses that exist today. Mm-hmm. But we know it's going to be different and we know that what has worked over the last 20 30 years is no longer going to work. Because of these changes. And so together, we're going to have to evolve into what that means. And so I think right now is a great time for particularly people who rely on on Google, on search um, to drive traffic. You, you know, they, you should be attuned to, OK, what what's going on? How do I how do I stay ahead of this curve and make sure that, you know, I'm not just pumping out more and more and more content, but really thinking creatively around what the platforms are doing and and what they plan on doing. It's going to be, it's going to be interesting.
1: Yeah, it really will be. Cause like I've been seeing, you know, I allowed Google to start showing me some AI results for their Bard, you know, AI. And the thing is like, as an agency, we work a lot with local businesses and, you know, so Google maps we live in, you know, for a lot of it. And with them putting AI results first. So I allowed it to start showing up in my search results and the AI is actually helping, like it's displaying local search results. It's, it will actually display uh, Google map stuff. So it's, but it's weird because when you look at it, when the AI comes up with it, so typically, In Google Maps, you've always had the, you know, for years we've had the three pack and then you would click in and you get all the rest of the map listings and such. Well, above the three pack, it's now giving you four listings in the AI result. Okay. So if you allow the AI to return a result, it will give you the uh, four listings, but they're not in the same order. Yeah. You know, so you, I would have, you know, initially you would think that it would come up as the same, you know, one, two, three, the same exact listings would be up top, but with different information, you know, potentially, but they're not. Some of the companies um, are usually the same, but the order gets flipped. And so it's pulling different information to do that.
0: Well, and eventually it'll personalize to each person, mm-hmm. which means it's going to be different for every person that looks. So then it's, I mean, it's just like, I mean, the implications of how we all are going to navigate this over the next few years are kind of like mind blowing. Um, But we will, and we will figure it out. And, but the more you can stay ahead of it, like you are, the more you're going to figure it out and you're going to figure out, oh, if I do X, Y, and Z, then AI understands what my offering is. It understands the people that I'm trying to service and who I service well. And it's going to help me find those people, but it's going to be a different world and it's going to be a a bumpy road sure. yeah the and- good news is is i also think we're going to create a tremendous amount more content which means more places <laughs> to get in front of more people um so i think that 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 implication is is exciting but it's gonna definitely be uh you know but we have to remember ai's been around for a long time like we're starting to see the consumer applications of it over yeah. the last I'd call it year but really like these companies have been incorporating these oh, yeah. types of things into their systems for at least a decade if not more and so I don't think it'll be quite as like jolty as, as we might think. Like, I think they've been playing with stuff for a while.
1: Yeah. A lot of it's the, we're seeing the consumer facing version of stuff. Right. And, precisely. Know- it's
0: accessible now.
1: Yeah. Whereas, if you're working in the back end of Google Ads or you know any other system, it's already been there for you know quite a while. You know that's how you know because it's it's meant to learn you know what we're doing. And everybody thinks of out you know the word algorithm, but it's like I say it is more like AI because you know if you go into Google Ads and you got all the different headlines and different descriptions, and now we're able to write like ten of them, and we can't really dictate which ones it's going to show because it's going to do different combinations because it's trying to match up to the person actually doing the search and what you know which ones you know, which combinations they're more likely to, you know, to get a response from. So, you know, we already have that stuff on the back end. Now, the, you know, now the rest of the public gets to see. Yeah. And that's what uh, the, the bright side of them are constantly doing that stuff. We stay employed because, you know, exactly. if, if yep. they were constantly exactly. shaking it up, they, you know, we wouldn't be needed.
0: <laughs> but I will say just I guess, you know, sort of I just want to I can't hammer this point home enough as a marketer. It's so important you become comfortable with data because the more data you can feed these systems, the more they can understand what you're trying to achieve. Google wants to help an end consumer find the right answer. Like Mm -hmm. it is their vested interest. If you have a great product or service or offering, Google wants to help people who want your product or service or offering find you like they that's a that's a match. Like they want to be that matchmaker. That's like the whole point of search. So the more you can really make sure you're giving these platforms information about what's working, about the type of people who are a good fit for you, about how to create those matches, the better they're going to work for you. And so I just want to stress things like happy on Facebook are essential. They're not optional, right? Making sure you're pushing your audience data into Google is essential. It's not optional. And so you've got to figure out either how to become comfortable with this or find a partner who is. Yeah. Um, and so I just I can't stress enough. It's all about data. And then understanding that data is really is really awesome. But really making sure your data is pushing nice and cleanly into these platforms. So they can really be that matchmaker that they want to be.
1: Yeah. If you're a marketer, you are really a data scientist nowadays. You know, that wasn't the case for a long time. But, it, you know, since the advent of the Internet and advertising on it, you know, you have to be a data scientist because if you're not willing to dive into the data, you know, and figure out what's working and what's not, then, you know, you're not going to be successful at it. You know, And, if, you know, business owners should be, understand the data, too, as much as possible, because, you know, otherwise, you know, you're relying upon. On other people to always, you know, it's great to have them do the job, but you should understand what they have to do.
0: Yeah. And the same way that you're going to understand your finances and the better you are at doing your budgets and your finances, like the better your mm-hmm. business can, can grow and prosper. It shouldn't be any more intimidating than that. It's really not that complicated. It's just kind of a new language and you just have to start to learn to be comfortable at least starting to learn that language.
1: Yeah, well, this has been a great conversation, Susan. How would people get a hold of you when they want to do an audit? Because there are a lot of companies that need these kind, you know, these kinds of services that are out there.
0: Awesome. So, um, you can find us at Force of Nature. So, Force of Nature. Where .dot was not available. So, we are Force of Nature .dot You'll figure it out. Um, you can find me at LinkedIn at Susan CK, and uh, generally available on Twitter at, at Susan CK. So. I'm out on the internet and available If you contact me via any of those places or my email s at force of dot re, um, I'd love to talk to you
1: Okay. This has been a great conversation. We've been talking about, you know, how often you should be doing your audits, what audits really look like and why you should be doing them, you know, most importantly, because it is something that, you know, for every business it's necessary. If you're not looking at your marketing on a regular basis and seeing, you know, what is working, what is not, and if things are broken, you know, you need to be because, you know, there's a lot of wasted money if you're not doing it. Yeah. And that is, you know, it's the lifeblood of your business. You know, your marketing is one of the most important things. Things you can do. My name is Cash Miller. I'm the host of Marketing Masters, CEO of Titan Digital. It's been another great episode. Thank you for joining us.
0: Thanks, Cash. Thank you for tuning into Marketing Masters, the agency power show. This show is produced by Titan MediaWorks and is a part of the Small Business Delivered Podcast
1: Network. Check out smallbusinessdelivered.com for more info about upcoming shows, hosts, programs, and how you can start your very own podcast.